following is an exclusive presentation of the Ultimate Hoops Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Hoops Podcast Network. You know, this is another edition of it, the quarantine edition. It's a special one. We're all sitting in quarantine still. Uh, here in New York, it, things are changing a little bit. Uh, how are things for you, Jake, over in Houston? Are they changing a little bit for you? Oh, they're changing. State of Texas starts phase one of reopening as we sit here and record this on a Friday. So it is a Thursday. So we're a day away until restaurants and select businesses are allowed to open back up. Restaurants, I think, only at 25% capacity. Uh, here in Houston, there's still a mandate to wear masks when you go out in public where you can't socially distance. So... It looks like we're obviously further along than most of uh, the states in the Northeast or, you know, on the West Coast, like California and whatnot. But hopefully this goes well. And because of the fact that, you know, Texas is not did not get hit nearly as hard as some of the other states I just mentioned. Uh, if this goes well around mid-May, they could start phase two, which will include restaurants being able to go up to like 50 percent capacity and barbershops possibly being able to open and, and gyms as well. So we'll kind of see where we are in a couple of weeks if this goes well. But I'm hoping for the best. I am excited that if I want to, I can go out to eat at a restaurant that has 25% capacity. But, you know, realistically, still probably going to continue to do what I've been doing, which is not much. The only time I really leave the house is to go grocery store shopping, go to Chipotle, or if I'm going on a walk around the neighborhood. And I don't really expect much to change there. Yeah, I mean, the same here for the most part. I mean, we're a little longer into the quarantine as far as May 15th is the next phase, if you will. Uh, Cuomo has laid it out, as I'm sure you know. May 15th will be the next time we adjust and see if anything is going to change. Uh, it looks like the numbers have dropped a little bit as far as, you know, here in Nassau County. The city hopefully is dropping as well. But, uh, you know, we're all still in that quarantine mode, and we still have another, you know, 15 or so on days here before, you know, May 15th rolls around. But uh, we haven't been on in a while, so you know we both have tuned into some wonderful TV, whether it be Netflix or whatever it is. In this case, uh, it's been The Office. So we'll check in with you. I know you started watching it before I did. Um, you know, at the gym, I know I would always go around the conversations of you know this Office show, and I had no idea what was going on. You know, Nicole would talk about it, Jenna would talk about it, Dante made several team names about the show, and I was clueless. I had no idea what it's about. And now finally I'm watching it. So, so, so we'll start with you. What are some of your favorite episodes, favorite moments? You know, what made you want to tune into this wonderful program? Uh, well, I, I knew it was good. I just never got around to watching it. And I figured, well, there's no sports on, so I might as well binge a show. So this has been the show I've decided to binge. And, you know, the, the show is referenced all the time, you know, on social media. It's referenced all the time when you just talk to someone that is a fan of the show. I mean, my radio host, Cody Stutes at SB Nation Radio is a huge office person. My producer, Jose, he loved The Office, so they were always trying to get me to watch it. So I've been watching it. I am at the end of season eight, one season ago. There's 188 total episodes, and it is an outstanding show. The only knock on it I will have is that it probably should have ended after season six. Season seven's okay, and then season eight into nine, significant drop-off. And it has a lot to do with the fact that Steve Carell, Michael Scott, no longer in the show. But I, I would say in its prime, at its peak, as good as any sitcom you'll find. And, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of it, and I definitely could uh, quote and reference a lot more things from the show that – you know, people would say to me, and I have no idea what it means. Well, now I know exactly what it means. 
Exactly. So that, that same thing for me, you know, I would go back to the times when Dante would be at the gym and he'd name his team names, you know, Scott Tots or Threat Level Midnight, you know, and all these office episodes. And I would always ask him, well, what the hell does that mean? And I'd have no clue. Nicole would try to explain, you know, when Jenna was there, she'd try and explain to me, you know, what the, what's going on. And it's I know it's always on, like you said, social media, Twitter, Instagram, all these memes and things that are going on about the office. And, you know, everyone's talking about this guy, Michael Scott, and, and all these other things that are going on, and I have no idea what's going on. So finally, we are watching. We're tuned in. Um, you're a little ahead of me. You're about, what, are you in season eight now? End of season eight. I'll be on season nine by the time this podcast drops. All right. I'm in season seven. I'm on episode, like, 15 or 16, something around there. You're nearing the end of the Michael Scott run. Enjoy it. I am. I'm nearing the end of the Michael Scott run. I think right now we're at the point where uh, Michael re kindles the love with uh with holly she's back from her stay at the other office and she's returned so uh we're uh waiting to tune in and uh to the next few hopefully later today and uh we'll see we'll see how things go but uh there's been some tremendous ones i i know the one i can think of the most just because if it was really big on social media last week was the um when last dance dropped they put the meme out on espn about the greatest basketball game to ever be played in the warehouse so i'm sure you enjoyed that yeah, I mean, there's so many funny scenes to uh, to to rattle off of. Uh, I'm going to have a full Twitter thread of my thoughts on The Office when I complete it. I'm going to get my favorite character, most underrated character, character I couldn't stand, favorite episode and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to finishing the show, and then it's on to another show, which, by the way, I recommend watching the show Dave on Hulu and FX. It's now all on Hulu. The season finale of season one aired last night, Wednesday night. And uh, it's very good. If you're a little Dickie fan or you've never heard of them, I highly recommend it. It is very funny. I have not heard of it. I do not have Hulu, but I can definitely acquire a Hulu account from somebody to tune in. Oh, yes, you can. Let's just say I have streaming devices for everything, and I don't pay a dime. That's that's how they do it these days. You know, if you get, you get around it, you, you make it work. Let's just say all you need is Leo on the run to be able to make a trade. Yeah, if you have the Leo on the run account, you can certainly make a trade. We will not disclose further information about such account, but that account has been shared amongst the masses. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, this is a nice inside joke for you. Others, uh, you'll just have to tune out to this, you know, 10-second clip. But anyway, so The Office has been great. I know that other shows will binge. I know people are always asking about Game of Thrones. For those who haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. You've probably been living under a rock. You know, there's a bunch of other shows that are going on. So now is the perfect time to tune in and get that that show you need to watch and binge what you need to binge. But, you know, we'll, we digress, and now we move on to what this podcast is really supposed to be about and what we really wanted to jump on. And I kind of got this idea from Alan. You know, Alan's still working and still doing whatever he can to keep the Ultimate Hoops Nation um, in the masses entertained. And on the UH365 page, he's been doing a lot of Mount Rushmores for point guards and shooting guards, you know, kind of going pipe position. So I figured now would be the best time to do this for us. We've probably done this in the past at some point. I don't remember if we have. But we're going to do the Mount Rushmore of Ultimate Hoops New York players. Now, to go into this before we start, this accounts a lot of things. This accounts, obviously, your accomplishments, you know, winning championships. It also accounts for what you've done off the court. How have you contributed to the league? Have you been a guy that's been promoting? Are you staying around the gym, you know, talking to people, trying to, you know, make your imprint? Or are you someone that just, you know, plays and goes home type of guy? But in the end, this is all about winning. And this is about uh, what you've meant to Ultimate Hoops New York in the past, you know, 
I don't know, since 2011, 2012. I think that's kind of when this all, this all started. So we may have the same list. We may not. But I think the first few are pretty obvious. So so we'll start there. Well, I mean, it depends how you look at Mount Rushmore. I, I just looked at it as who, who have been, over the course of UH, the best players. And it eliminates some of the recent studs that we have in the league because they haven't played long enough. I mean, let's be honest here. If we were making a Mount Rushmore of Ultimate Hoops, you know, New York, and specifically just, you know, Long Island, Syosset, slash Garden City, you could put Mastro's name on it four times. But since we're not going to do that, I'm just kidding. But Mike is very good, as we all know. I, I would say, obviously, Mastro's got to be on there. The championships, what he's meant to the league, everything you just talked about. But, you know, not only has he won a ton, but he's been the best player in the league for the longest time. He, he is a triple-double machine, whether it's getting assists or big rebounds or just flat-out scoring late in games when his team needs him to. He's done it all at the highest level since day one. Mastro's on there. You have to put Jay Harris on there as well. Guy's been a Hall of Fame nominee. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He is a winner at the veterans level, and you have to factor in the Vets League when we talk about this, who's dominated that league more than anyone than Jay. So he's got to be on that list. So I think the first two are easy. My third, if I'll just give you the full thing here, Anthony, I'd put Chris Frey on there. Frey has maybe never been the best player, but if you look at his career, he's been at an elite level for quite a long time. He's built teams before, being a general manager. He's been great with the media. He's been great at just being a part of the league and helping grow the league over time. He's got 11 championships. Plus, he was the GM and architect of a national title team in 2017. And, you know, the guy The guy is a, is a really good all-around player, good defensive player, good offensive player. You know, maybe he's not Richie Bird. Maybe he's not Dante or Carlos. But top to bottom, you compare the, the career and the longevity, I think Chris Frey has certainly got to be on that list. And finally, this was tough. We were talking about this off-air. But I think you got to put Brandon Dominic on this list. When you factor in his contributions from Open League to Vets League, you got to factor in everything that this guy has done in his career. At the very beginning of the league, it was really Mastro and Brandon Dominic that were the two we talked about the most as far as the best players in that Open League when I first started working for Ultimate Hoops in 2012. And I think Brandon's earned a spot on this list. There's other guys that certainly deserve the recognition, but I think when you factor in the longevity of how long you got to play to really be considered for a Mount Rushmore type of list, I think you got to put Brandon Dominic on there. So I'd go with him as my fourth and final person on my Mount Rushmore of UH Long Island players. Yeah, the Mount Rushmore of UH Long Island players, like we said, you know, I think the first three are pretty clear. The fourth one was kind of always up in the air. You know, you could make an argument for a few different people, but there's also going to be people who make an argument for. You know others, and we'll we'll get into the people who are right off the right off the list as well. But to start, obviously Mastro, that's where everything begins. He's the face of you know New York, not just you know Long Island. He's the face of you know New York. So with 17 championships, you know one of the best players all across the nation, number one all time in rebounds. He's he's done it all. So we know about him. We don't have to go into him over and over. We we brag about enough that we're lucky enough to have him playing on our courts. You even named a court after his father. It's been a great time. I would argue Bill Mastro of anyone. If we're doing a Mount Rushmore of UH figures that didn't actually play in UH, I would put Bill Mastro on the list. He has to be there. He's been to every single game. I can't remember a game that he hasn't made. He's He's been a crucial figure to the unstuck regime. He, he's also the best coach out there. You can't ignore that. So he's the Mike Chicksefsi of the, of, the, of the bunch. Then you move on from there. You got Jay Harris. So Jay Harris is always the argument, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Should he not be in the Hall of Fame? Where does that fall into? 
the most recent voting process, you know, bumped him off the ballot. Now we have to get him back on the ballot. But he's got 15 championships between the Open League and the Vets League. And on top of that, now he's the Vets League coordinator. So he's got a lot on his resume. He's got a lot more than probably the next guy. And he's been playing since the pretty much the inception, 2012 or 2011, some point around there. Um, he's approaching almost 450 games played. He's number 14 all-time in rebounds. He's approaching top 50 in points. You know, he's done it all. So he's a, a guy that's known across the nation, not just in New York. That's also a help for his case. He's one of the best to ever do it, as as we like to say. He, he maybe will tell you now he's dropping off a little bit, but he's uh, working his way back with the tutelage of Harley Genty in the in the gym to get back in shape and uh, put uh, put on those, you know, whatever he needs to put on to get back on the court and be the Vets League dominant player he used to be. Harley's on my most underrated player list in the league. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Your prototypical 3-and-D guy, the glue guy that every championship team needs, Harley Genty. Yes, Harley Genty was a big portion of the 2017 National Tournament Championship. He was on that, that run in the semifinal game where Frey kind of threw him in the fire and said, go chase around these guys, and and they kind of went small. So he's definitely an underrated player. He will, he'll be mentioned in another, another podcast for sure when we do the uh, the underrated podcast, if we ever do that. Um, but yeah, we move on from there. We got the Chris Frey regime. So Frey is an interesting one. He's got 11 championships, but he has one that outweighs the rest of them. That's the 2017 national title, like you mentioned. He's known as now one of the best general managers between the draft league format, you know, putting together the short shack team with Pichota. He went on that three-peat. They went to four straight, ended up losing the fourth one. Um, you know, you can't blame him, you know, losing to a Richie Bird in that finals, but He's been a tremendous player. He's got 11 titles. He's all the way back to the proper punishment days, uh, which is a long time ago, before my time. You know those days very well. And uh, he's been a consistent winner. So you, you got to add him on here. He takes the third spot. And now we get to the interesting choice of in the fourth spot, and that was Brandon Dominic. For me, he's got 10 championships. He did it during the majority of the time during the Open League when it was at its com- most competitive as it's ever been. He brought in Nafi. With sponsorship from, of course, Pete Desidlius. Sponsorship. Can't, can't forget him. Sponsorships are huge these days, man. You got to have that guy. So Pete Desidlius does the sponsorship, gets an offie in here, you know, changes the game. It knocks Unstuck off their regime, puts them down a little bit. And this is before the times of then Chris going and getting his pretty much entire college roster to play. And that's when things kind of went mayhem. But... Brandon Dominic was, like you said, one of the most the best players for a very long time and still is. He's playing in the Vets League now, has two championships there. If this season didn't get canceled, he probably would have had a third. Uh, he's been one of the most dominant players for a very long time. So that's our four. So I guess from here, you know, there will be arguments. You guys can comment below on the post what you think, if you think there's someone we're missing or someone needs to be added. Who would be but another Vets player you would add? Because that's what's tricky. The, vet, the Vets, yeah. there's there's been Jay, but there's been no other player to me that immediately stands out in the Vets League that has, you know, been as dominant as Jay has been in that league. Because that's the big question. In the Open League, I can go through Masher, I can go through Frey. I can even bring up a guy like Ken Kerner for consideration because Ken has been one of the most prolific scorers we've ever had in the league. Now, it hasn't always translated with winning titles. Ken's got two, I believe, looking it up before the show. But Ken's been one of the best players in the league for a long time. But I think when you look at championship and impact, at the four we picked, it's going to be tough to argue. It is going to be tough to argue for sure. When you mentioned Vets players, 
there's obviously a couple games that pop up and you would think about them as guys that have just played a long time. You know, you go to the Mike Venuti's of the world, you have Tom DiMaselli. DiMaselli, I think, is a, a worthy guy for consideration, but I don't know if you, I would put him over a guy like Brandon Dominic. There's not enough winning there in his case to warrant it, but he's definitely been one of the most consistent players, especially for his age. Um, you know, he's only got two championships to his record, but he's been playing for a very long time. He's got 245 games played, so it's just under two, you know, in the 200 ranking area. He's got 195 on that. Mike Self, a guy that, uh, yeah, you could consider. There's a bunch. Um, four championships. The problem is, other than Jay, there's been no one that has dominated the league quite like Jay Harris. Everyone, there's been some really good players in the Vets League. We can go through them, but I don't think their resumes would stack up to the dominance we've had from several of the players we named in the Open League. There aren't, you know, and when you think about the, that league, you think about the hooligans and the hooligans are the team that has pretty much dominated it. And Adam it's not Sutton. gonna be Adam Sutton's there. there. He's getting closer. But someone that, you know, dominated with Jay that no one really likes to talk about a lot and hasn't been here in a while is of course Prashad Snugs. Prashad Snugs as Dan Budick would once call him Prashad Snuggy Snugs. That's right. He's won ten championships and pretty much all of them have come for the most part in the Vet League playing with Jay. He's got some open league titles, but not many. He hasn't played in a while, and he hasn't been. You know, he moved from out of the state of New York, so he's no longer here. But you know, he was part of the the hooligans run. He's an honorable mention. Zeb Prezada. Where where do we put Zeb? Zeb is a guy who's bounced around from team to team. On <laughs> Seven the, time uh, champion. Don't forget. On the on the list, he's Richie been York. On, he's as well. Another guy bounced around a lot. Hooligans. A lot of these guys. If you'll notice, if you look at the hooligans roster. It's always the same, like, 10, 12 guys just rotated in and out between the draft. Unsung hero roster in the Vets League, Adam Boxer's got to be on that list. Oh, he's a he's a hooligan lifer. No one knows better than Six-time champion. That's right. He's not playing I, this season, it says here, though. He's not playing this season. He hasn't played in a while. So he'll be he'll be back, though. He, he plans to return, hopefully, after quarantine's over. We'll get everyone back in. But, uh... You know, the, the the Vets League is an interesting case. But now that it is, you know, the, like I said, the 35, this is when the Masters of the World, and this is why Brandon Dominic's now in the league, it's changing the game. Everything's getting flipped upside down. You got these 35-year-old guys coming in and, you know, taking over. So Brandon Dominic's going to rack up some championships. If the season continued, like I said, a good chance that Master probably would have won the, the Vets League. We actually would have been great. We'd have had a, a Master versus Brandon Dominic Vets League final. A Mount Rushmore matchup. That's right. It would have been tremendous. I would have looked forward to that, but unfortunately, we don't we don't get to have that because of COVID nineteen and the, this awful pandemic that we're going through. So, you know, what are you going to do? We're going to have to wait it out. And that's uh, I guess that's the next thing. So, people keep asking me, when's the gym going to open? When's I have no idea. I still don't know when the gym's going to open. And if you're be, if I'm being completely honest and offering up my opinion, I don't think the gym's opening anytime soon. I don't think the gym's opening till July. If you had to ask me, well, I I think it's at least till July because you got to remember, New York is still has a stay-at-home order till May fifteenth. That gets extended to June first. They're not just going to open up gyms right away on June first. There'll be a slow phase opening. Yeah, you know, just like what Texas is starting on Friday. You know, things are going to are going to go slow and steady 
over the course of a few weeks until they start to ramp it back up. So in Texas, 25% capacity at restaurants for two weeks. That goes well, 50%. Then they maybe could open up barbershops. But if you're thinking about like a gym, that'd probably be one of the last things that start to be able to reopen. And even if Lifetime does open, I don't know if you could play basketball. You could actually have league games yet until we're even further along. You're going to still probably have to socially distance at the gym, which means probably no pickup will be allowed, I'd imagine, or you wouldn't be able to probably play organized rec basketball, a.k.a. UH. So it could be, you know, another couple more months, unfortunately. I know the date that uh, UH Corporate has is in July. You know, that might work for some clubs around the country, not necessarily in New York. We'll see how it unfolds. We will definitely see how it unfolds. The tough part for me is, like you mentioned, the social distancing aspect of it, you know, the, the capacity. So how do you tell someone that's a member of the gym that's paying that they can't necessarily come to the gym and use it because there's a capacity rule? So now you're going to put time restraints on things. It's just very tough to see how, and it would be interesting to see how Lifetime kind of manages that and kind of makes it work for their members. You know, so th at that point, that's why I kind of think it makes sense for them to kind of wait it out. But I'm sure Baram doesn't want to wait it out, kind of just wants to get open as soon as possible. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. You're going to have to abide by the government rules. And if it's 25% and maybe it gets to 50, things kind of open up and hopefully UH can return at some point, you know, in the summer. But I also wouldn't be shocked if it didn't return in the summer and if it kind of just waited out and return in the fall. You mentioned July, July 12th is the date that Allen has set for the summer league to kind of launch and return. And in all honesty, I think that's kind of aimed more for, some of the other states we mentioned that are maybe not as hit as hard as New York or in New Jersey and kind of the Northeast area. I could see, you know, Georgia and some other places down South opening up and having a, you know, a UH program back up and running and a league and training and all that. I, it's going to be tough for me to honestly see how we are able to do it, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a health expert. I'm not Dr. Fauci. I don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll see how the summer goes for sure. So how are things down in Houston right now as you, as we stand for you? Do you think that in your side in the out, out west, lifetimes could operate? Yeah, I don't know uh, if you consider Houston west. I consider us like south. It's still west from us. We went over this. <laughs> Southwest, I would say, Anthony. But yeah, I mean, as I said, the fact that you know the state of Texas is going through uh, you know, phase one of reopening, I think is a good sign. We'll see how that works. And people still need to be cash, uh, cautious, obviously. You know, the biggest thing is, you know, for for where I am in Houston, we're the fourth most populated U.S. city. We only have about 3,000 cases, a little more. So relatively speaking... It's not as much as you would think for a major top five populated U.S. city. So I think there's something to warm weather killing the virus. I hope that's the case. So uh, the, the hope is phase one goes well starting Friday. And, uh, you know, by mid-May, we could start opening up even more stuff and increase capacity and kind of slowly build towards a return to normalcy. All right. Sounds good for you over Houston people. We hope you guys do well. Um, I'm hoping that Donald is able to launch your Houston clubs eventually. And hopefully this summer we'll get back on the court for you guys as well. We were mid playoffs of the first ever season at Lifetime Green White. And right in the middle of the semifinals, the league right. was halted. Same thing for us. People are demanding that these games be played, and I don't know if they're going to be played. So we'll we'll find out if they end up getting played or not played. But before we go, this is... Again, the New York-related podcast, and we want to touch back on your New York-related ties, and that's your, your Jets fandom. The, the draft is completed. 
So what kind of grade we give in Joe Douglas on his first go around? I hate grading drafts because it's stupid. But as far as, you know, the hitting on the needs and getting good value, I thought he did a great job. I, I mean, they needed to get a, a stud offensive lineman at 11. As much as, you know, taking a, a number one wide receiver would be appealing with how deep the class is, you have to go and get the tackle and lock up the left side of the line for the next 10 plus years. And that's what Makai Becton can bring to Sam Darnold. You know, the only way to find out how good Sam can be going into his third year is to give the guy protection. When Sam played last year, the Jets had a winning record. They were 7-6 and six when he played and 7-5 and five coming back from Mono. So I'm optimistic that th this team is headed in the right direction. I love getting Denzel Mims in the second round, picking up an extra pick, trading down. I was sweating and nervous that they were going to miss out on him, but they end up getting him at 59th overall, so that was great. People seem to love the Ashton Davis pick, a safety that could play corner, play zone in the slot, could do a little bit of everything on special teams. I'm excited to watch him. And uh, we'll see what else they could do with some of these late-round picks. Bryce Hall at cornerback, fifth-round pick, but the guy had second-round value. He just was hurt last year, so he slid in the draft. So it looks like Douglas did a good job of getting value and addressing some needs at the same time. So we'll find out in three years overall how this draft class stacks up. But as far as what I think of the job he did, I'm very optimistic as a Jeff fan. And I thought, by the way, the Giants did very well, too. You know, the safety they got from Bama falling to them, you know, at the early stages of the second round. That was a big surprise. And, you know, I love what they did with Andrew Thomas. If they think that this guy's the best lineman, reliable, played in the SEC, come in and play and, and have a big impact right away, you got to protect your two assets, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And by fixing the O-line, finally, you're doing just that. So I, th I thought both New York teams had very good drafts. Both New York teams went with a tackle, like you said, in the first round. And I think that's kind of where, if you're an NFL team, it's kind of where it starts for everybody, you know, up in the trenches and getting that tackle. And both teams were able to do that. And then there were some some picks kind of that maybe fell that both teams also were able to get in round two. The Jets go with Denzel Mims. And then the Giants go with Xavier McKinney, the safety from Bama, who a lot of people thought could have been a first-round pick and a lot of people liked. So Giants fans should be happy about that pick. Hopefully that turns out. And same thing for the for the Jets with Denzel Mims, the wide receiver from Baylor. A lot of people like his athleticism, his ability to go up and kind of get the ball. So overall, I think that both teams did well. Um, you know, I enjoyed some of the NFL war rooms and all the things that were going on during the virtual draft. It kind of brought me back to our UH drafts when we would sit in the, you know, uh, conference rooms upstairs and kind of do our drafts, which are probably the best part of the entire season when we all get to sit in the room together and watch Frey lose his mind over some picks and Mastro and Jordan texting back and forth about, you know, their unstuck roster, which we know is going to be exactly the same no matter who's on the board. So it's it's been fun to kind of see that and bounce back and forth between, you know, the NFL draft, what it was like virtually, and uh, what we used to do for Ultimate Hoops. ESPN did a great job, and the NFL did a great job putting on the draft. I don't think it's a big surprise that it was the highest-rated draft ever, given the circumstances, but there weren't any major technical mishaps, and I think after the first few picks, you really got used to it. So I loved it, and I'm glad that uh, they put the draft on, and it gave us a nice distraction over the weekend. It definitely was a nice distraction. I'm, I'm happy that we had it. I'm happy that they did end up putting on it together, and it ended up being the most... In the highest view draft ever. It was great. And uh, one final point, Anthony. Next time on the podcast, we got to break down the last dance and then find out when the when the documentary about Mike Mastro's uh, championship season and Unstuck, when that, when that movie's going to be made one day. 
I, I heard the film crew was coming in. They've been they're ready to film and and get his uh, from here and on out the the vets caliber seasons and see what he's got going on. I heard the film crew was coming. Yeah, the, the yeah, part the when part Chris Frey and his uh, uh, his team just you know got off got the off bench and didn't shake hands after they were eliminated by Mastro. That's going to be really covered uh, big time in the documentary one day. It's going to be covered by the UH media and it's going to be plastered all over. I can't wait to see it. I'm excited for it. Last Dance, next two episodes coming up, which is riveting TV. If you haven't, if you're not tuned in, and I don't know what you're doing, but uh, you should definitely be tuned in for the Last Dance. But uh, this has been a fun show. Another another episode of the Ultimate Hoops podcast, the Ultimate Hoops New York podcast, whatever you want to call it these days. I know we call it New York. We mainly cover just Jurassic Garden City, but you know that's kind of what we went with, and uh, it's been a fun one. So Jake, thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it, and uh, stay safe over there in Houston. Hopefully you get back to work uh, rather soon and get back on the airwaves, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great, Anthony. Talk to you soon. Thanks to everyone for taking the time to listen. Stay safe.